we apologize for the audio quality of this video. This is due to technical difficulties with the original recording. We hope that your enjoyment is not spoiled too much. My name's Phil, if you don't know who I am. Um, part of the team here at Jubilee, and it's um, my absolute honor to um, to bring God's word to you today. Um, yeah. We're going to be reading from the book of Isaiah. Um, so if you've got a Bible, it's Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you give us revelation and understanding to what um, Isaiah was speaking about. And pray, God, for every heart here in this room and everyone listening online. Lord God, we pray that you would bring uh, truth that sets people free today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah was um, a prophet from the Old Testament, speaking some 700 years before Jesus. He was he was prophesying mainly to Jerusalem and the and the kingdom of Judah, because at that point Israel and Judah had had a bit of a spat and separated. And he's speaking, um, in in especially in Isaiah 53 about about this this character, this figure, this this person that is going to come and be sacrificed and lay down his life for, for us. And we know that to be Jesus. And we often wonder how um, the Jewish people have kind of missed this. You know, as they've um, read this um, Isaiah in, in, in their scrolls, how they've missed this text that speaks so clearly about that there's going to be a Messiah coming um, and he's going to be pierced and he's going to be crushed and he's going to be wounded for the people. And yet they miss it. The story of the Bible and the story of Jesus is the most amazing story ever told. It really is the most amazing story ever told. And the, one, of the, one of the most incredible things about it is, is that it can be understood by a small child. A small child can, can grapple and understand the the simplicity of the gospel. You know, like, and it never ceases to amaze me how kids just like, just get it. They really get it. And yet, as adults, we can spend the rest of our lives wrestling and unpacking um, the gospel. And, and texts like these, we can spend our whole lives um, going deeper and deeper into God's word as we unpack all the things that God got for us and it's the greatest story ever told because um, it includes you at some point in the story um, Ian and Julie um, came into the story they became part of the story and, and, and you know and you guys you know um, which I'm, looking at, I'm looking at I'm forgetting people's names as I'm looking out um, you know Mary became part of the story you know Dave and Pam became part of the story. Lee and Caroline and, and, and all you guys out there, you know, you became, at some point, you, you entered into the story 
as you receive salvation, as you receive Jesus. Because the story's not finished yet. It finishes when he comes. And he's not yet come in all of his fullness. He's coming again. I'm looking for that day. I'm, I'm, I'm always praying, Lord, will you not come back like soon? Because this world is bust up and messed up. And Lord Jesus, will you not come back? Fix it all. Put it all right and deal with, deal with all my stuff. And um, yeah, it's a mystery, isn't it, how the Jewish people have, have missed um, all the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. They, they've kind of like missed it. And they often get they're vilified and blamed. And I, I, I want to I wanna stand up for the Jews today, if that's okay. But, at the, but that's not at, the, not at the expense of Palestine. I'm, I want to stand up for the Jews because I want to say that um, the Jews were blamed by the, um, by the church at, at one point for being the ones that crucified Jesus. That they, that they were to blame. And, and then at some point, the Romans were, were, um, were blamed for crucifying Jesus. And, and then, um, you know, there's been lots of people that have been blamed for crucifying Jesus. It was, it was Satan's fault. It was the Jews' fault. It was the Romans' fault. Why Jesus hung on a cross, bleeding and dying in agony. It was, it was their fault. And yet we read in Isaiah 53 really clearly, yet it was the Lord's will crush him and to cause him to suffer. What? Are you, are, you, are you telling me that it was God the Father that inflicted that on Jesus? Are you telling me that? Yep, I'm telling you that. So it wasn't the Jews' fault. It wasn't. It was God the Father. But that doesn't make sense. That God the Father, this God of love, um, would be behind this crushing of Jesus, this Jesus dying on a cross for us, that he would be behind it. And you know, if... If Jesus on the cross was God punishing some innocent third party, that would be completely and totally barbaric. If, if, if God was upon Jesus pouring out his wrath and his um, laying on Jesus and, and sacrificing Jesus as an innocent third party, that would be barbaric. It would be cruel beyond belief. And yet we know that there's more to the story than that. We know that that isn't the truth. We know that it was, it was God himself that came. That Jesus was God the Son. God himself came in our place. And what was being crushed as Jesus died on the cross? Well, sin was being crushed. Satan's power and authority was being crushed. The effects of the fall were being crushed. And in some way, we too were being crushed because in Christ,
when you receive Christ, you, you, you die. You know, we, we were crushed along with him. We were, you know, this, this death that Jesus died on the cross was to set us free. My Bible says that I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I, I'm, I'm gone. But Christ lives in me. The new me is reborn. And it's incredible, isn't it? And God um, planned all of this before the foundation of the world. Isaiah 53.5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that has brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. God was not punishing an innocent third party. He was bearing it himself. And that, my friends and brothers and sisters, puts a completely different take on the, the, the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, we can get into we can get into focusing on, you know, this innocent baby being born in a pooey stable in Bethlehem for us. And it's not wrong to celebrate Jesus coming. I love Christmas. I love that we celebrate Jesus coming. But he was Emmanuel. He was God with us. He wasn't some innocent third party. It was God coming in the flesh. God coming in the flesh to rescue us. And one of the earliest prophecies that I absolutely love is, is the story of, um, story of Abraham and Isaac Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain because God tells him to go and sacrifice his own son and, and of course God's testing Abraham to see his faithfulness and eventually what happens is, is that Isaac says well you know he's getting a bit worried by this point because he's got up the mountain with his dad with the big knife and then um, you know they're going to worship and sacrifice something but he can't find anything to sacrifice and, and um, you know Abraham prophesies you know God himself will provide the sacrifice. God himself, God himself, God himself will provide the sacrifice. So Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. And if you've not been in church too long, you might think it's a bit weird that we keep singing about this lamb. You know, what, what are we singing about this lamb? You know, just, like if you've not been in church, it's kind of like, I remember when I first started coming to church, I'm like, who's this lamb that they keep talking about? You know, like I was like, you know, I'm I'm thinking mint sauce and all sorts of stuff in my head. You know, like what what's this lamb that you keep talking about? And of course, um, in the Old Testament, to cover their sin, they would they would sacrifice, they would make sin offerings to cover their sin, and they would they would they would sacrifice a lamb in the place, a lamb without blemish or defect. John one twenty nine. And John testifies about Jesus, and he says really clearly, and the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John had taken the old understanding of, of sacrificial covenant and, and understood what Jesus had come to do, that he had come as a perfect sacrifice to lay down his life. And of course, Jesus um, wasn't crushed physically. He was pierced, but he wasn't crushed. None of his bones were broken. 
And it was really important that when, when you brought a lamb in, in the old system, that this, this lamb was perfect. It, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't broken. Its bones weren't broken. But Jesus was crushed because of the sin that was laid upon him, not by the physical infliction. He was pushed, he was, he was crushed by the um, emotional and spiritual filth that was um, laid on him because of what I've done and because of what you've done. Every um, atrocity and brutal act of violence upon the innocent was laid on Jesus. Every form of abuse, everything was laid on him and that crushed him. So much so that it says that the Father turned his face away. It was disgusting to see all the things that humans have had done and, and, and were doing and, and will do and will go on to do. And Jesus paid the price for all of that. He carried our sin. He carried our pain. Why was it the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer? Because he loves you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, right, let me tell you that you can walk out of here a completely different person. You can walk out of here completely free. I, I meet a lot of people that, that say to me that they would like to start again. Yeah, they'd like to start their lives all over again. They'd like, you know, like, um, like kind of like a reset. They'd like to reset their lives and start again, begin again. And, and you know, the, the thing is, is that through Jesus, you can begin again. You can start again. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what, what, why Jesus came, so that you can start again. That you can come to him and you can believe in him. You can turn away from all the stuff that you know to be wrong and you can receive him and in receiving him, you can be born again, you can start again. And from that point on, you'll, every day you'll be walking with him and as, as he begins to renew you. Peter 2.24 tells us, he bore our sins in, in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. God in Christ was reconciling the world, the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. If you've received Jesus today, God is not looking at you and seeing your flaws and your failures, not even Luke Selway's, you know? <laughs> he sees the blood of Jesus speaking forgiveness and healing in eternal life. That's what he sees. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's, do you know, it is, like the, it is the best news ever. It's like such good news. I, I was such a mess and like God came in. He, like Dan prayed today about, you know, he pursued me. God pursued me and he he, he went looking for me and, 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 and like I was found by him and I and I, I I wasn't really sure what I was doing but I asked him to come into my life and I and I said sorry for the stuff I've done wrong and, and then what happened was he he came and changed me and it went it went overnight it was like you know it was like you know it was it, it was a while you know but God started to work on me and there's still a long way to go.
I love the fact that it says in Revelation 13, 8, that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And I love that because before you even messed up, he'd already covered your trespass. I want you to just turn to somebody next to you. Oh, the trespass, sorry, the rescue was before the trespass. Just, just turn to somebody and say, the rescue was planned before the trespass. Just think about that for a moment. Just think about that for a moment. How did he know? How did he know that you were going to need rescuing? Well, he did know. He did know. He did know. And he, it's all planned. It's planned that you would come to him. And when you come to him, it's not, that's just, that's like not the, the end of the story. No. The story's ongoing. There's so much more for you guys to do. For us to do. For us to do as a church. For the church. Glorious across the, the nations of the earth to do this. And, and you're part of it. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And you know, you sell the gospel short if you just like take all the goodies and like leg it and don't like enter into the fullness. And you, you miss out. It's not about me like, you know, guilt bombing you for whatever. It's, that's not what it's about. I'm telling you that. It's such an amazing story that, you, that we become part of it and we, we walk it out with each other as we, we go to this broken world around us and we hold out these words of life and truth and say, you can, you can enter in too. You, do you know that, that you know, you, <laughs> before you even messed up, Jesus had already sorted out your rescue package. He'd already planned to come. And why, why did he come as why did he come as a, a baby? And, you know what's all that about? Well, he had to. He had to. You know, at the point that Jesus enters into Israel, it was the most difficult, difficult situation. An occupied country in in poverty and such brokenness, and yet he enters in to that point. For a purpose. So that nobody can say, well, you know, it's all right for you, God. You don't know what my life's been like. Oh, really? Look at what they did to me. Look at how I was born. I wasn't born in a palace. I was born in a stable. And he went from poverty to having to flee in persecution to a foreign country and he, he grew up and you know it says in the scripture doesn't it that we just read that it was um, another Lord makes him an offering for sin he will see his offspring, offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand and through Jesus all of us have been affected all of us God is still prospering. God is still on the move. God is still bringing healing. God is still changing lives. Nothing has changed. God is still working things out for the good. God is still on the move. And, and the great thing about it is that we're part of that story. That stable story that we, we're going to celebrate next week. We're part of the story. We, we, we enter into that relationship.
relationship with Jesus and we're part of the story as we do life together as we love one another as we bump along and see success here and a bit of failure there but it doesn't matter you know God is with us he promises to be with us always even till the very end of the age and God just didn't leave him in the grave did he he didn't leave him in the grave this child this child grew up and became a man and at the age of 30 he starts his public ministry and um, and he, he takes the scroll doesn't he in, in Luke 4 and he says the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and he's come to proclaim the kingdom and it's ongoing in Matthew 2 11 um, where in Matthew 2 we have, we have these um, strange characters kind of turn up in the story um, the Bible calls them Magi. Um, um, at school, we got taught that they were the, the three kings, um, which I don't think is, well, it isn't biblical. Um, they, they, they weren't kings. They were, they were astronomers or people of, you know, mystics and wise men. They were, like, you know, from the east, it says, and that's all we know. And so were they from... Were they from Babylon? Were they from somewhere else? We don't know. But these mysterious um, people turn up, and and again in, in the in the Christmas story we we see in Luke the, the shepherds coming, don't we, to the to the birthplace, and then um, and then somehow in school we mixed up all of the, the the story with like the kings and the shepherds being in the same place at once, and that's not true either, and then um, because the um, Magi came a little while after. It was it was sometime later, and they they go first to the home of Herod and they say, "Where is this one that's been born? You know, King of the Jews." And and Herod doesn't know, and and he, he he's not really sure. And so they go back into the Old Testament and they go to Micah five two, and they say, "You know, Bethlehem, that's the place. Bethlehem's the place where this." This child is, and so the major I go to Bethlehem to find this baby that's been born that is um, king of the Jews. And when they get there, they come to a house, not a stable, because it's a bit time, bit, bit time later, some time later, and they find um, Jesus. And it says, when they when they arrive, well, I'll read it. On, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. It's kind of like strange behaviour, isn't it? Like when my son was born, I don't remember anybody coming like and bowing down and worshipping him. And they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And again, that's strange, isn't it? Strange gifts for a baby. Strange behaviour. These, you know, this this family are minding their own business kind of thing and. And then, and, you know, these these strange men from the east turn up, and we don't know we don't know how many there were. There could be could have been twenty, could have been a whole car- caravan of people. We don't know, or it could have just been two. But they turn up and they bow down and they worship this baby, and they give him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
Why, why would they give him gifts of gold, frankincense of man? Well, they gave him gold because he's a king. Gold is, is a gift that you give to a king. So he was given gold. And he was given frankincense. And frankincense was used in the temple in worship, the incense. The rising of the incense was, was symbolic of worship. And he was given frankincense because he's God, because he's Emmanuel. And then he was given mare. He was given mare because Jesus was born to die. He was always going to die. That was always the plan. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. He was always going to die. And it was always going to be so that me and you could be set free. That's it. It's an amazing story, isn't it? It's the greatest story ever told. All, all wonderful stories and narratives after that have, have, have been influenced by the gospel. But the gospel is the pinnacle because it's, it's a living story. It's ongoing. And what does it look, what does it look like to be, to be a Christian? What does, it, what does it mean to to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it means that you you've come to Him, you've you've believed that Jesus died on the cross for you because you are so loved, and because of your brokenness and my brokenness, because of the, that you know that you're separated from God by the stuff you've got wrong. You know that there's that there's something not quite right. And you've come to him and you've said, you know what? I know that I'm separated from God. I know that I've messed up. And I believe that you died and took upon yourself my sin so that I could be forgiven. And you receive it. You just, by faith, you receive it. So that you can't receive it any other way. And a lot of people think that you have to, like, do good works or... Um, and brownie points for God, and it's not about that at all. God has got good works for you to do, but that's not what gets you into heaven. It's by coming to Him, believing, and receiving it by faith. And then what happens is, is that He comes and makes a home in you. He comes and walks with you, and He comes and challenges you, and He says, "You know, leave that old life behind. The old has passed, and the new has come." You're no longer the same person. You leave the old life behind and walk free. And as you walk free and as you go through life, God will empower you. He will do miracles and wonders in your life that you will not believe. If I look back over the last 29 years, I cannot believe the amazing things that God has done in my life. Amazing things. And I know for you guys too, there's been amazing, there's been hardship, but there's been amazing things too. And that's what it is to follow Christ, is that you, you're a Christian, you're following Jesus. You, 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 every day you, you're walking with him, you're talking with him as you go along. And you're trying to run after the things that he's called you to do. And it's the most wonderful life. And I don't know about you, but I want everybody to know it. I'm so excited today that we're going to be in the city hall for City Carols and the gospel is going to be proclaimed and people are going to hear that Jesus is Lord. And they're going to give their lives to him. People are going to give their lives to Jesus today in Hull. And I am so excited about that. And I'm not bothered which church to go to after. 
I'm just so pleased that people are going to come to Christ. That's amazing. My grandma was the most stubborn Hazel Rhoda you've ever, ever met. She was, she was from a fishing uh, family community. She was feisty beyond belief. Uh, she was about five foot and five foot one, and um, amazing, amazing woman. And I used to try and share the gospel with her. Like every every time I went to see her, I'd say, you know, uh, Grand, can I talk to you about about Jesus? Because I was so excited about Jesus, and she was like, Oh, that's nice, son. Do you want a cup of tea? Or that's nice, uh, son. Do you want to show you throw up in a tin of salmon with a tomato? Do you want a tin of salmon and a tomato? And, and like we'd sit there and I'd be trying to trying to bumble my way through telling my gran about Jesus and it was absolutely hopeless. Uh, and like and, and, and I was actually working as an evangelist at that time. And I used to think to myself, how come right, I can share the gospel with people but with my gran it's like brick wall, not having any of it. And I could never get through. This is my favourite Christmas story, by the way. And then... Um, and then one Christmas, um, um, my grand had come round for Christmas Day, and um, it was just me and um, Deb and Luke and Hannah, our children. And Deb had just said, right, I'm going to take the kids for their, like, their afternoon sleep. I'll go and put the kettle on, and I'll make you and, gra- you and your grand a cup, a cup of tea. And I said, all right, that's great. So there's just me and my grand in the, in the front room. Deb's taking the kids upstairs, and she's gone to make a cup of tea. And all I can describe what happened was, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm not really sure what happened, but it just felt like Jesus walked in the room. It's like the, like the whole atmosphere in the room just changed. It's like that all of a sudden, it wasn't just me and my grand sat there, it was like me and my grand and God was in the room, Jesus was in the room. And I turned to my grand and I said, Gran, you know, um, Christmas is all about Jesus coming. As a, as a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He went on to live as one of us, and then he laid down his life on a cross, so that me and you could get forgiven for all the bad stuff that we've done in our life. And if you receive him, you can know eternal life right now. And instead of saying, "That's nice, dear. Do you want a cup of tea?" She said, "I want to receive Jesus." And she did. And we prayed. And she received Jesus. And when Debbie came in with the cups of tea, she was glowing. My grand was glowing. Like somebody had scrubbed her face. I don't know what had happened. She was sat there glowing. And Debbie's like, what happened? I said, I don't know. I don't know. But she's received Jesus. And did she change? Yeah, of course she did. She was never the same again, and she passed away a few months after that. It's the best. It's the best. Life with Jesus is so exciting. I, I plead with you, I beg with you, if you've not ever received Jesus, do it today. Do it today. We're going to give some time in a minute for you to respond to, that, to the message of the gospel. And it's such good news. It's such good news. And I want to encourage you to, you know, um, share it with people this Christmas. Share it, share it with your grand. Or, you, or you, your granddad. Or share it with people. Go to them again and tell them that there's a God in heaven that loves them. And he 
to know them. And he wants them to receive him. And he wants to give them eternal life. We've got a little booklet out at the moment that we've produced called God Wants to Give You a Gift. Grab one of those. There'll be some out there. Take it away with you and share the gospel with somebody. If all of us shared the gospel with somebody and everyone led one person to Christ, then what would happen to the church? It would double. Yeah, it would double. It's the way it works. We've got to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not beating you up about it. I'm just saying we've got to do it because it's such good news. You know, when, when one of us gets healed or free of cancer, we all celebrate and, you know, it's great. But, you know, being free and of sin and death and eternal separation from him is even better. Yeah. Would the band like to come back and we all like to stand? Let's pray. Father, we, we believe in you and we believe in your word and we believe in your gospel. We believe that your gospel is power and your gospel changes lives. We pray, Lord God, that you would equip us, your church, to be able to share that with our friends and our families. We pray, Lord God, that you come by your spirit, that you would Give us the boldness and the courage to be able to do that. Lord, we, we long to see our friends and our families and those we do life with come to know you as Lord and Saviour. We pray, God, that you'd come. And Lord, it says in your word, not by might and not by power, but by my spirit. And we pray that it would be by your Holy Spirit, that you, you Holy Spirit, would come and enable us and equip us and empower us to be those people of good news in the city 